If you've got your Bibles, uh, turn with me to Matthew chapter 8. If you're here at Mornington, brace yourself. The lights are about to go up and it'll, go, uh, it'll get quite bright. There we go. Um, Matthew chapter 8. And we're going to continue this journey in the book of Matthew. By the end of this year, we will have looked at every single verse in the book over the course of the last three years. Now, uh, the reason we're doing this is here at Citywide, if you want to understand our church family, you need to understand as best we can, we just want to follow Jesus. We actually want Jesus to be the centre of our lives. Now, one of the things that happens as you seek to follow Jesus is your character is affected. You gradually take on more and more of Jesus' attributes. We've got a diagram that explains how that works. Uh, so I just need to come over there. There we go. This is our. Oh, well done. Uh, so this is our. For us, the picture of what it means to follow Jesus. That the more you focus on Jesus and allow yourself the space to reflect the more you will recognise that there's parts of your journey and that Holy Spirit will help you recognise that there's parts of your journey that are not in line with who Jesus is. And as you recognise that, you'll be given the choice to do something about it. And, and we need to choose. It's one thing to spend your life going from emotional experience to emotional experience to in a mountaintop moment to mountaintop moment, but, but ultimately, Jesus said, it's by their fruits you'll know them, not by their emotional experiences. That ultimately, it has to be reflected in our character. And so we need to act, and as we act, it does then affect our habits. And, and our habits affect our character. It was really encouraging for me to uh, go to Kevin and Anne's place uh, last month for dinner, together, and I'm not going to point them out, but, but one, one lady from Lena Valley and one lady from Mornington were both just sharing their journeys and, and how for both of them there is a person in their life that is just hard work, that in some circumstance, like in some ways, they are probably the only person in, for, for that person who is still available and still trying to help them that makes sense. But it was just so encouraging to see so clearly for me that for both those ladies and both the, the friends that they are working hard to connect with, they are the representation of Jesus. They're, they're doing their work, doing the work, sometimes late at night, <laughs> receiving phone calls that no one else wants to receive and they're doing the work to love. And they are having a, a, a deep impact, but it's a, 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 it would be nice, wouldn't it? Some, there's, this, there's one approach that says, if I just pray the right thing, then that's going to fix this person up and it'll be all sorted out. Real ministry happens over years. It's a journey. And we're all on the journey. Now, if you were to ask each, either of those ladies whether they feel like they are reflecting Jesus all the time, I'm pretty sure I know what their response would be. And the more you hang out with Jesus, the more you realise 
you're not quite there. You've got work to do and, and often the people who are most like Jesus are the first to tell you how they're not like Jesus. I don't know if you've noticed that and the people who are least like Jesus are the ones who think they've got it all together. Uh, but I, I do think, like it was interesting for me, I, I, I still miss Pete, Pete Clark. Um, but at his, at his funeral, just to hear the impact of a life well lived, a guy who loved Jesus as best he could and whose life had a profound impact on so many people. This is the task. The task is to love Jesus enough so that in 1 Peter it says, be ready to give an answer for the hope you have. It says, always revere Jesus as Lord and be ready to give an answer for the hope you have. So the, Peter's assumption is the more you hang out with Jesus, the more people are going to see that you have a hope that they want and they want to understand what that is. The task for us, though, is for that to be true. Because if we're to be honest, it's possible to call yourself a Christian and not live from that place of hope that inspires other people to ask, I want that. Have you noticed that? Gandhi said, I like your Christ. I just don't like your Christians. Because your Christians aren't much like your Christ. One of the, the dangers for us is we can fall back to think it's, it's just about my personal relationship with God and as long as I've got that sorted out and I've got hell sorted out, I don't need to do that work of reflecting and changing and becoming like Jesus. And that leads to unfortunate bumper stickers on the backs of cars, like this bumper sticker I came across. Uh, Dear Lord, protect me from your followers. I don't know. We, we Christians aren't perfect. None of us are. And we will hurt each other because we're not perfect. And it requires a flat-out miracle of the Holy Spirit to hold the church together. And it also requires people making choices to focus on Jesus and not the complications and problems that other people have. It, it's, a, it's a complex thing. That's why we're taking this time to focus on Jesus. So let's take a look, dive into Matthew chapter 8. And right up for verse 18... Uh, one of the, the measures, there's a whole approach to working with churches that is called uh, church growth uh, theory or there's a whole approach called church growth uh, and, and, and kind of you measure your success with the, the numbers of bums on seats uh, and if, if we get enough bums on seats, we're doing okay. It's interesting, very clearly Jesus didn't do that. In fact, he almost went the other way. It says... Uh, when Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders, let's get out of here. He said, let's get into the boat. I, uh, I think that uh, one of the things that for us to come to terms with, and it's, look, it's, it's, if I'm to be honest, gee, I, I'd love to see this place overflowing with people. I really would. And I, I'd love to see... Uh, uh, Lena Valley overflowing and, and the Nepalese congregation overflowing. 
But it's so easy to measure the wrong things. It wasn't how Jesus measured it. He, rather than having a big group of shallow relationships, he chose to have a small group of deep relationships to, to invest in disciples. And it's interesting at this point, uh, we, we get two approaches to discipleship uh, come up. The first, we get the story of two, two different people who want to get in the boat with Jesus. The first one uh, is a teacher of the law. So it's, he's a scribe. He's, he's someone who's been off to Bible college and understands the Bible well and thinks, okay, I'm going to join this team. Because it's, and the indications are that he sees Jesus kind of like a, a guru who's going to help him advance his uh, career and Jesus says to him, mate, you don't get it, do you? I'm not your ticket to advance your career. He says, I don't have anywhere to sleep at night. You, you want to follow me, you need to let go of all your security. It's easy to want to look for a guru. I'm, I'm interested, I don't know if you heard a bloke called Jordan Peterson at all. Uh, he's, a lot of people have picked him as a guru at the moment. And, and it's, it's almost like you can picture Jordan Peterson coming to Jesus and saying, I want to join your team. And a whole lot of Christians right now are very excited because Jordan Peterson has become a Christian, or at least says he has. It's, sort of, it's, it's on the edge a bit. But, but it would be similar. And, and it's like this, Jordan Peterson's coming to Jesus. It's like, I want to join your team because I think you've got some good things to say. It's interesting, the way he's, when he says teacher, he's not saying rabbi, he's saying, he's using the, the word for, almost for a university lecturer. He's not, he's not saying, I'm going to give you authority over my, your, my life. I, I, I like your ideas. And one of, the, one of the ways we can approach Jesus is to say, I like his ideas. I'll, I'll pick up his ideas and, and run with them and uh, hopefully I'll, I'll find some security in that. Jesus says, you're not going to find comfort and security in me then it's interesting it says another disciple comes up and says I, I, i'm with you but i've got some family stuff i've got to deal with first first let me go and bury my father jesus tells him follow me and let the dead bury their own dead sounds a bit harsh doesn't it like surely you know well a couple of things uh, most commentators agree that he's not talking about a funeral today, but either, there's, a, there's understanding how the Jewish burial system worked. I don't know if you, because uh, when someone passes away here in Australia, we, we bury them within the week, and, and that's the end of that process. In the Jewish system, you'd place the body in a tomb, and it would, uh, I don't know if this is a polite way to say this, but the, the flesh would... Uh, rot away over, over 12 months uh, and, and 12 months later there'll be another ceremony where you, you'd put the bones in a box called an ossuary uh, and, and so uh, one possibility is what he's saying is I'll, get, I'll be with you in 12 months or it might have been six months or, or other commentators think that what he's saying is my dad's crook and I just need to be with him 
until it, he's, you know, things are sorted out. Whatever, whatever it is, now Jesus earlier has told the Pharisees off for not caring enough about their parents. Uh, so it's clear that for Jesus, and on the cross, Jesus makes sure his mum is cared for. So caring for your parents matters. Just pointing that out, Soph and Maddie and uh, yeah, yeah, Josh. Uh, uh, but but uh, it, it's what Jesus is saying is, uh, I'm sorry, it's, you can't choose your parents over me. And you can't put off following me. It's, there's, I, I don't know how many people you've bumped into and how tempting it is for you, but it's, I've bumped into lots of people who are busy trying to order their lives enough so that they can then follow Jesus. To get the family stuff sorted out so that they can then follow Jesus. This is what Jesus is saying, and this is a theme right the way through the New Testament. Seek first the kingdom and trust me even with your family. I, uh, for us, this has been a, a, a wrestle Leanne and I have had through the last 30 years of marriage, trying to work out what does it mean for this to happen? It was putting, trying to put that into practice when we got on the airplane to Canada and we didn't really have the answers. In fact, we had 200 bucks in our pocket and we had a daughter in grade 12 and it felt like we were ruining everything. Uh, but we, do, we did know that that was what God was saying. And, and ultimately there's this question that Jesus is asking of his followers. Who's in charge? Who's, in char- who's actually in charge of your life? If you have to get your life sorted out enough so that you can follow Jesus, well, Jesus isn't Lord. You are. You're trying to create the space for him. He's saying, no, follow me. And so Jesus breaks that news to both of the disciples. Then, interestingly, the very next thing it says, they got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Which, and, and this is ultimately the question. So f- what we know is that there was a big storm coming. And, some t- and, and these guys are fishermen. Some of them have grown up on the Sea of Galilee. They would have seen the storm coming. And I'm sure Peter would have wanted to say, um, let, let's just wait for a minute. Can we, can, can we not get in the boat yet? Can we, can we wait till the storm has dissipated? <laughs> And Jesus says, no, nah, let's go. And Jesus' true disciples follow him and get into the boat. Now, something happens here. Suddenly, a furious storm comes upon the lake. So that the waves swept over the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. I, when I was a kid, I used to picture this, and I, and I used to um, imagine sort of spray coming over the edge and just getting your face wet with spray. Till I, I understood, my um, cousin and my uncle have both done the city into Hobart, and 
they tell me, I find this hard to picture, but uh, that some of the waves across Bass Strait, have you seen some of those sitting at a Hobart yachts? Some of the waves are bigger than the masts. So put that in perspective and, and you kind of maybe imagine the kind of storm that would cause these guys who grew up on the Sea of Galilee to fear for their lives. And so what do they do? Well, they wake Jesus who was asleep. Jesus was asleep in the face of these massive waves and massive storm. What does that tell you? It tells you, I reckon it does tell you he was exhausted. He's been putting up with a lot and having to do a lot. So he was taking a chance for some sleep. But it it also tells you that his life is not determined by the external circumstances. His life is not defined by the wind and the waves. He's able to sleep soundly no matter what is happening in his life. And it's not as if he had a, like a, a big ocean liner that was able to somehow diffuse. His body would have been tossed around. One of the pictures that emerges of maturity right the way through the New Testament, in fact, the Old Testament too, is that a mature person is one whose internal world is not determined by what's happening in the external world. Or to put it another way, a mature person is someone who can sleep in the midst of the storms of life. Who, or, or if, you know, if there's hormonal reasons why you can't sleep, at least you can rest in the, storm, in the face of the storms of life, where the storms of life don't define you. I want to just take a minute. We want to, for us, we want to actually follow Jesus. We don't, don't want this, this just to be an abstract thing. So what I want to do is just take a couple of minutes now to, to get you at Lena Valley and here at Mornington and online to think, okay, for you, what are the what are the wind and waves? What are the external circumstances that cause you to panic? That cause you to find it hard to rest? And just have a chat about that with the people where you are. What are the external, what are the wind and waves in your life that would cause, that cause you to find it hard to rest? Have a chat about that. Go for it. Okay, start to bring it back. We're, we're talking about the pointy end of what it actually means to follow Jesus. It's one thing to turn up at church when everything's going okay and sing the worship song. It's another thing when the wind and waves are tossing you, you around. One of the important things to understand, one of the things that Jesus understood and was trying to help the disciples understand, No external circumstance can have any eternal impact on you.
No external circumstance can affect your eternal destiny. The wind and waves are real, but there's a bigger story. How does, what does Jesus say to the boys after this? What, what, is, what, is it, what does he say? You of little faith, why are you so afraid? What is, what is this faith he's talking about? Well, in our foundations course, we unpack it more. But one of the themes that is right the way through the Bible is that ultimately you can see the world from your own perspective or you can see it in the light of eternity and understand that no matter what anybody does to you, they can't affect your eternal destiny. In the light of the bigger story, wind and waves are actually pretty small. But it requires you to have your eyes clearly on Jesus and not on the wind and waves. And this is the pointy end of what it means to follow Jesus. We're going to be tracing this journey and we'll, we'll be seeing what does it mean for the disciples slowly to learn this as we go through the rest of the book of Matthew. But also for us, what does it mean for us to be the kind of people who are not determined by external circumstances but can face external circumstances with and through Jesus? Because there's a lot of stuff, let's be honest, that is going to be out of your control. And I know you wish that wasn't true. I mean, there's a lot of stuff you can control. And the, the, one of the main things you can always control is how you respond to the external circumstances. Usually we'll think the external circumstances are the problem. But actually, what is normally the problem is our response to the external circumstances. So, one of the, one of the, one of the beautiful truths is Jesus just responds and gets up and says, Stop. And the wind and the waves go away. And while the external circumstances are not in the control of the disciples, they are in the control of Jesus. There is nothing out of God's control. There is nothing out of God's control. We're going to as we trace this journey through, we're going to see more and more. What does it mean? Because one of, the, one of the obvious questions is, why do bad things then happen to good people? We're going to, we're going to be dealing with that question over and over again in this gospel as we, as we face this journey. But one of the things we see is storms are a lot easier when you're in the boat with Jesus. 
when you're following Jesus and keeping your eyes on him and living from his story rather than just your own story. We then, on the other side of the lake, they get to the the Decapolis and there's a couple of guys who are uh, tormented by demons. This story is also retold in uh, Luke and Mark and in both of those, it's a much longer story and there's some details that are a little bit different. But Jesus only says one thing here. There's only one word that Jesus utters in this whole story. And one of the realities is, uh, look, uh, we, he's just, we heard Anne was telling us the story about how Jesus dealt with sickness last week. And, and we've just seen how Jesus can deal with the wind and waves of life. And, and now we see Jesus have a, a direct confrontation with evil. And what is clear is there is no force of evil strong enough to overpower Jesus. These demons come and they say, what, you know, what, what are you doing here? Are you trying to torment us before the time? Please let us just go into these pigs uh, who for Jewish people are unclean, but here in a Gentile area, these pigs are being raised to feed people. And Jesus just says, go. He doesn't have to have a long prayer meeting about it. He doesn't, there's nothing special. He just says, go. Jesus is in charge of the forces of evil. The forces of evil don't get to overpower Jesus. And these two guys who have been tormented by the forces of evil are suddenly free. It's like the veil is lifted. The, The weight is off the shoulders. Life makes sense. They can smell the grass and feel the sun. All of a sudden, there is restoration. And how does the township respond to this? To this incredible miracle of restoration, how does the township respond? please get out of here, please leave. For the township, there are two things that are true. They valued pigs more than people. And they valued pigs more than Jesus. For them... Their pigs were an asset. It was a security. It was a source of food. And it didn't matter that these two guys were now free. What mattered was that their asset was missing. One of the things and one of the themes we'll see throughout the New Testament is there's this theme, this question, are you going to value your swine more than your saviour? Are you going to value your asset more than Jesus? And the other thing that's true that we see in this story and all the other stories is Jesus is powerful. You can trust him.
So for us to live, a, to live a life as followers of Jesus, our task is to focus on Jesus, not to let ourselves be defined by the wind and the waves and to trust that no matter what happens, he will be with you. He will be with you. You can focus, if you like, on coming up with all kinds of strategies to get the wind and the waves out of your life. And really the only way to do that is never to get into a boat. I love that. There's an old quote by a guy called Seneca who said, a ship in a harbour is safe but that's not what ships were built for. We're invited to the adventure of life and we're invited to do life with Jesus, to focus on him and to let ourselves do the work to face the parts of us that are not yet like Jesus. And we're going to need brothers and sisters on that journey. We're going to need the help of the Holy Spirit. We're going to need to be open. And you won't get to a point where you go, yes, I've got this one sorted. Because it's a lifelong journey. And it's one that other people will see in you more clearly than yourself. But the more you hang out with Jesus... Funnily enough, the more yourself you will become. And this is, this is why we're going to spend these next months looking at Jesus and reading these stories and working out what does it mean, what does it actually mean to follow him. Let's pray. Jesus, we, we come. We, we acknowledge. We, it's much easier sometimes to have our whole existence shaped by wind and waves or to be looking for a guru rather than you or to want to get our lives sorted out before we come to you or to, to want to get our herd of pigs <laughs> looked after before we turn to you. Jesus, so many things can get in our road to take our eyes away from you, but save us, please, from that. Thank you that you invite us to come, all of us who are weary and heavy burdened, and that you promise us rest. Thanks that you say that if we come to you, we will find life. Save us from all our strategies to find life in all the wrong places. We need your help. Let us pray for all my brothers and sisters and for me. Help us turn our eyes on you and look full in your face so that all the other stuff can grow strangely dim in the light of your glory and grace. Just ask that in your name, Jesus. Amen.